You are listening to Mike Seminary and Friends, a Q1 Network production. Hi, I'm Deb. I'm here with my husband, Mike, the host of Mike Seminary and Friends. And Han, I'm anxious to hear who you've got coming up in the next few weeks for guests. Well, I've been busy recording. I've had people that work in the streets of Watts in L.A. working with gang members, people that are traveling the world doing mission work, former addicts that, through the grace of God, have turned their lives around, motivational speakers. I've had a lot of great guests. I'm anxious to hear this week's show. Well, let's get to it. Welcome to Mike Seminary and Friends. Today, I am just blessed to have a young man that, were it not for the grace of God, he might not still be on this planet. And I'm going to share with you in a little bit how I found out about Ben Hilden. Ben, welcome to Mike's Seminary and Friends. Thank you for taking time to join me. It's great to see you. How are you? I'm good. I'm real good. Yeah. I mean, and and thanks for having me. I mean, it's it's a pleasure to be on your show and to meet you and everything. So yeah, it's it's fun to for me. It's it's fun to always share my story, and I'm sure I'll share with you know with uh, with people that haven't heard it yet. So yeah, it's a thank you for having me. Honestly, oh, it's a pleasure. And by the way, we're not going to tell them everything because I one of the things I want people to do is go buy your book because it's a book that I just think a lot of people should read for a variety of reasons. Maybe the most important is that there's somebody that orchestrates all of this and that we're, we're not for him. You and I aren't having this conversation. Right. So I'm in a grocery store and I'm walking out and this book catches my attention that's uh, on a counter over at the place where you buy stamps and your lottery and whatever else. And I walk up to it because it's it's the, the the cover of it just caught my attention because it's there's this contrast of this young handsome guy with this great smile and this white shirt with this fairly dark background when I can tell it's a field and then I see the title Finding Faith in the Field I turn the back so I can read the back. And I see this car turned upside down, and I read that this kid is from Park River, North Dakota. I bought the book right then and there. I bought the book. It caught my attention. I knew this was going to be good because it has to be because Park River is adjacent to the city, Grafton, North Dakota, where my mother grew up and my uncle and my grandparents lived. And I reached out to Ben. I said, I'm going to read your book. Would you come on my podcast? He said, yes. So here we are. So Ben, you can't make this stuff up. You just can't make this up. You on Good Friday, on a Good Friday, I'm talking the Easter season, Good Friday. All Fridays are good. Good Friday, April 6, 2007. You're running a little bit behind. Uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, one of which is you're trying on a suit for prom because prom is coming up. And you decide to take the back road because you're running a little bit behind. Tell us, not not all of it, but tell us what happened after you left the farm running a little bit behind. 
Yeah, so I remember that day, like you said, I tried on my my uh, suit coat, and I've I was usually late for school every day, and uh, and I was late for a lot of things because a dairy farm where I grew up, you're usually working and you're just more than likely late for things, and so that day was no different. Um, and so I was I'd always take this old back uh, gravel road which is rarely taken. I mean, it's not other than during planting and harvest and when we're doing cattle, because our, our pastures on that road, that road is rarely taken. And so, but I always take that because it's the fastest way into Park River. And so on that day, it was no different. I was late and I went down that road and I'd been down that road hundreds of times, never, ever lost control, never been in an accident, never crossed my mind. Uh, and like you said, it, it still amazes me. Um, like you said, I mean, you can't make this up where it was Good Friday, there was no school. And so there would even be less traffic because there's, you know, there's nothing going on. And I was going into back therapy that, that morning in Park River and I lost control on ice and I was driving a car, a, a Buchla Sabre. It was my, my uh, grandpa's. And that car would would sometimes, without even pressing on the on the pedal, it would speed up. It would it would just start accelerating. And I had never lost control, but when I hit ice, it it accelerated at that same moment, and I I couldn't get back control that time, and lost control. Went down the ditch. I then hit an approach and flipped my car into the a field. I wasn't wearing my my seatbelt, so then I was then e ejected out the passenger door, and I went face first into the field. And at that moment, when my face made impact, that was that was when everything, um, the whole the whole projection of my life was shattered, and a new life was starting. Um, and where I'm today, I'm talking to you about my story, and this is where it's led me to to share things in in my own life that I never ever thought that I would ever go through or experience. Nor did I a lot of things. Nor did I want to experience them because it hurt. A lot of things were hard and a lot of trials. But you know, when you I look back on everything. Um, it made me into the person I am exactly who I am right now. And so I would not be who I am right now. I mean, there's so many little things that it did for me going through everything to make me exactly the way that I need to be to do my job that, that God gave me now. Wow. That tees us up for so much, Ben. And thank you for sharing it that way. So let's go back a little bit. A kind of a recap, because again, I'm not going to go into all the details of this wonderful book. Now, I was just turning the pages. I couldn't get to the next page quickly, quickly enough because you did a great job, by the way. Thank you. So you're a sophomore in high school. Yep. Um, it, it, it really involved in athletics. You're a basketball player. And as you mentioned, your family has a dairy farm. And mm -hmm. for folks that don't know, to your point, 
sometimes your schedules, you, it's up to the cows. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, because they got to be milked. Is it once or twice a day? Twice. Twice a day. Uh, because if you don't, that that's a big problem. And um, you are just a real active person in your school. And you're going in for back therapy, primarily uh, because of your athletic pursuits. So you're a, uh, you, you guys have a really good basketball team. There are so many things that are important to you. Yep. So now back to the field. You're in the field. And all of a sudden, you, you hear voices. There, there are a couple people there. Yep. And one of them is telling you to stay calm, stay down, to, to kind of don't move. Mm -hmm. And they, at the time, don't know who you are. Right. And what happens when the woman all of a sudden realizes it's you? Well, at that moment, um, when the woman realizes it's me that was when i received my first prayer uh that was when i that was when you know uh i don't i didn't do anything in my life that i can that i can say or you know that i would anything to deserve to be saved at that moment other than just uh the people who found me and the prayers afterward what they gave me was a plea uh, for mercy to to God, and He answered their prayers. And so, um, you know, it's uh, it's something for me. The the people who found me, I don't know if I should say who they are or not. It's uh, just because it's one for me. It's one of the greatest things of my story personally that that that's the way it happened because I, I, I mean, you just can't, you just couldn't make a better script. I, I, I still am dumbfounded. I can't believe that that's the way it worked out because they were the people that I wanted, that I was wanting to get to, to say that, you know, to tell them goodbye and, and everything. And so knowing how it worked out, having my flashbacks, um, years after and then remembering everything it it really brought it in to understand how how amazing god made this and that I, I couldn't have dreamt of a story like this and it's my own life i just i couldn't i still still am when i think back on it because i can remember everything so vividly now i just can't believe that actually happened um so so yeah that's yeah that's what happened for me it was i it was god was called upon at that moment when she realized it was me and i'm sure she was praying before then but i'm sure when she saw it was me it became very very heartfelt and a plea a cry to god so ben you're on that road a lot because oh, yeah. you run behind a lot yeah most other people aren't on that road other than how you previously described when someone would be on that road, pr primarily for farm activities. Right. This couple is rarely, rarely on that road. 
Yeah. The when when they're going into Park River, like just going into Park River and not doing anything in the field or with the cattle, they don't ever take that road. And they and they still don't. I mean, <laughs> so I mean it it's just like that's another thing to me. It's just like Am I dreaming? Is that, you know, is it, did that actually happen? And, you know, it's just, it's so crazy that they on that day decided to take that road at that time to, you know, I would have died for sure. I mean, I, I essentially did die in the field and, and, and came back. And, but I mean, if no one would have found me, I would just be left alone and I, you know, there'd be no paramedics, no, no nothing. So, so yeah, it, that that in itself was another miracle. Um, I talked to the guy who was with that woman afterward, and he said that he remembers there's a there's a there's two ways you can go on that road. You can go towards the highway, which they usually always go, and the opposite is the road that I always take. And he said that he had no intention at all. He remembers of not the intention was not to take that road, but then he doesn't even remember turning that way, but they ended up going down that road. He just, he, he honestly, he said he remembers there is no thought. Why would I ever take that road? Because we don't, he never does. And he just doesn't remember. There's like a time lapse. He said, I don't remember how we got to that point to find you but we just did. And I, he just doesn't, it doesn't recall. So. Ben, you're, you're in the field. You, you pretty much hit face first. The car is a mess. I'm going to read off some of the injuries you sustained. Cause these folks didn't recognize you, right? Not, so, not, not at first. No, not at first. So you had bruised lungs, bruised kidneys, bruised pancreas, bruised liver, bruised small intestine. You crushed an artery in your right leg. You have broken your palate, broken your nose in nine places, broken four ribs, severed your tongue, shattered most of the bones in your face. And there was a reason when at first your parents didn't recognize you that day. That's why. Yep, exactly. When I got to that part of the book, I wept. Because the way you had teed up this, that you use that road a lot, your parents never used that road. They didn't recognize you until all of a sudden it was your mother. I, Ben, I just wept. That was such a powerful, powerful moment in your story. It was breathtaking. And it was right then and there I realized this book is all about miracles and what God is going to be doing in Ben's life. Yeah. That's what hit me that day when I read it. Yeah, it was, uh, I would say, and... You know, that's why it was so, that to me was the most heartfelt thing. Um, Cause what people don't know too. And I think I talked about in my book too, 
is that we didn't, me and my parents didn't get along very well before my accident. We fought a lot and it was mostly, I'll say, I mean, it was my fault in the fact that I didn't want to be on the farm and I would come home and they would say, you know, you have to milk tonight or you have to do chores, you have to do this. And that it wasn't them being mean. It was just, there's a family farm. Like I had to help out and I didn't want to, I wanted to be playing basketball with my friends or lifting weights, you know, and I didn't, I wasn't a farmer. Um, and I, I just didn't like it. And so it would a lot of times end up me yelling at them. Sometimes it got to the point where I'm, I'm, I'm swearing at them and our relationship was not good, not good at all. I mean, I was a very angry person back then. I only cared about sports. I cared about myself, um, about my future in sports. And so the fact that they were the ones that found me and how that just a miracle of that by itself and my mother is the one holding me and then she goes and finds she doesn't recognize me at first because my face is so full of mud and blood and so distorted and then she finds my dad's coat in the field and she 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 felt it she's i met she told me that she felt it and she recognized it was my dad's and then but she couldn't put two and two together because she thought well ben's at back therapy they couldn't recognize the car because the car was completely totaled and then she put the coat on me and then she looked down and she saw my feet and my my shoes were ripped off in the accident and that's how she recognized me because my feet weren't bruised or bleeding and um that's how she knew this was her son in front of her and uh you know that was it you know when i go and speak at different places around the country that's always the one part that always gets me when i'm i start to choke up because i still remember um this them in the field i can i can remember their voices and then later on finding out that that after I came out of my coma at that point, I didn't know everything that I had. I mean, I hadn't had my, my, my uh, flashbacks yet. So when I first found out, I didn't remember everything. And then later on, I had flashbacks of everything. And that's what really gets to me because knowing where I was in my life, knowing them finding me and how I wanted to see them one more time before I died in the field, I, I I thought that when I I didn't think I would come back in in, in the field, and um, I just wanted to see them one more time to tell them that I'm sorry and that that I loved them. And so that to me is the most powerful thing too, because it was all about love. It was about I love my parents and they and they love me as their as their son. And so there's other parts I know that people love about it, but that, you know, to me personally, and I'm sure to a lot of parents that read it, it's a, it was a pretty powerful thing that God, that God did um, because he set it up so perfectly to make into something so powerful to share with people. And the part about your being a rebel, I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of a pass because when I was a sophomore in high school, 
there were times I was a great challenge for, for my parents. And I sometimes that's part of growing up, right? Oh, yeah. Well, for yeah. you, you, somewhat in your defense, so you, you're playing basketball with, you, you know, your, your group, your guys, and you got, you have some real talent on that team, including you, you guys see yourself winning a state title. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you are really a competitive guy. And what a lot of people, including me might not really understand about the ag industry, but in particular, when you have dairy, on your farm, how much time that takes, how much you have to be committed to schedules and taking care of the animals, milking them twice a day, usually the first ones early in the morning, Mm -hmm. uh, because all night long they've been generating the milk. And that is a big, that's a, you know, 24-7, 365 job being in the dairy business so kind of explain it to take a couple minutes to explain what it's really like to have the responsibilities of raising dairy and particularly for this reason those of us that like milk we go to a store and we buy milk we have a lot of us have no idea what it really takes on behalf of folks like you and your family yeah it is so much more than people think um People will, you know, I many people, there's very few that actually know because they actually run a dairy farm then because until you're actually on the farm, everyone just thinks that, oh, you just go in there and milk the cows and you're done. And it's, <laughs> and, and even that in itself, it's like, boy, that must be tough every single day, twice a day. But I always tell people when I go, when I travel and meet new people, I'm like, well, that's maybe one twentieth of the job, but then you have to, you have, I mean, there are, it is endless the amount of things that you could do. And these are just a, some of them to name a few. Um, so like in the morning you get there, you have to, you have to get the pipes ready to do the milking. And especially in the winter, there's way more things to do because everything's frozen. So you have to go make sure that all the tractors um, are are plugged in, and if they're not, you you got to put the NEPCO on the tractors so that you can start them. And then the pipes out in the barn sometimes will freeze and burst in the winter. So you got to make sure that all the you know the the NEPCO is on that. If that's if it's too cold, then you have to. So the pipes are done. Then you got to do the milkers and take them down then go out in the barn chase in the cows out in the barn into the holding pen then do all the stalls and doing stalls means you just clean out all their manure from their stall and put it into the alleyway where you take a a a a bobcat and clean the alleyways for the cows and then you give them new straw and that's before you milk so then you go back in the barn and you milk and each each fill would takes around 15 minutes. And I would say on average, we have about six fills. Um, so, you know, and actually it's about 20 minutes per fill, I would say. So, I mean, milking, would I would say it takes around two hours on on average. 
And then after milking, you got to make sure that they all have silage. So you have to load silage from different, using different crops. You have to put them into a silage wagon. And then that there's, I think they do around four, four to five loads. And then you have to bed down all the rest of the animals because that's just one barn. There's a calf barn. There's a corral. There's, we have another farm that's about a fourth of a mile away that you have to give straw to and feed them. And then, so that's just your foundational. That's, and you got to feed all the baby calves, the bottles, everything. So that's your foundational. And then there's no, there's no telling how many problems, how many breakdowns and how many other things that you have to do on a daily basis just to keep the farm running smoothly throughout the day. And so for me, I was born into the family and I didn't have a choice. That was just what I, what I was given. Um, God didn't give me the 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 desire to want to milk a cow or to be on a on a farm working my little brother andrew loves it he he's still farming right now uh so he he enjoyed it i was into sports i was all about sports and so i look back on it now and i i always wondered i'm like man i was so tired i couldn't pay attention in school i you know basketball was tough because i was always so tired for practice and i always wondered back then why was I so tired all the time? Well, it's because you would, I would get done milking at night at about eight 30. And, and then I would go and add you know, I'd have homework and then I'd have practice the next day and I have school the next day. I mean, I was literally working. I never, I never got a break and I never, I never thought about it because I just did it. It was just my life. Mm -hmm. It was like what you did. I'd never thought about how much I worked. Hey, Ben, a quick question. You said the, the evening milking, he kind of ended at eight. What time did the morning one start? That one, I think around six, I believe <laughs> they would start. And so thankfully, I didn't have to do I did that a few times, you know, throughout the years. But I had school, you know, so I couldn't do them the morning because I would be late for school. But, you know, if there isn't basketball, I come home and I work and I work, you know, during harvest, you work from 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 four till till nine or ten and then you have no time for homework and then you have to do it early in the morning or late at night and then you have school all the next day and you do it again and so and then when basketball starts it's you know basketball is already tiring but i never thought about there's times where i'd have basketball games and i'd have to go home and milk after the game and go milk late until about 11 because that's just the way it was. And so, yeah, I mean, you, you, you would have to be given the love to do that in order to actually enjoy it. And so I just didn't have it. So, well, Ben, um, so first of all, thank you. And thank your, your folks, particularly your dad, because you, your, your mom did something else for a living. But th thank your family for doing what you do, because if it weren't for that, I wouldn't have the dairy products that I enjoy. I mean, it's just, right. that's just the way it is. Oh, yeah. and by the way, you didn't even mention this. And I suspect when you're doing all that, 
on the dairy farm, it's really hard to have a conversation with the girl you're going to the prom with, right? Because she's, she, that's oh, pretty yeah. hard, right? Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it, I mean, it, well, it's, it's tough to have any conversation with girls because you're, you're, you just don't have time. You yeah. don't have time to do any, I mean, I, I that was the hard part. I mean, it was, it was tough. It was tough because um, I was at that age where you wanted to be out with girls. You wanted to be out with your friends. And I just couldn't, I just yeah. simply, I couldn't do it. Cause I just, there just wasn't enough workers on the farm and someone had to milk. So, so yeah, it was, uh, it wasn't the funnest time in my life. It taught me a lot. It taught me a lot. It, it makes things now a lot easier because I can, I compare them and I was, you are trained to think a certain way. So the work that I do now is so much easier because I'm like, well, compared to what it used to be, my goodness, this is a piece of cake. Sure. When, and then we'll switch topics here in a second. But another thing I'm going to assume, Ben, not, and you already had some of it because you were dedicated to your sport of basketball you were disciplined, you worked hard, and then you had these farm chores that were just yep. part of life. Yep. And that's a form of discipline that there are things you just have to do, whether we, you like it or not, right? Because it's part of the deal. It is. And that makes for a far more disciplined person. And the reason I wanted to tee it up that way is you were given like, well, not you at the moment, but your parents, you had like a 5% chance of surviving this deal. Yeah. And as I read about you, I, I have to think, in addition to what God was doing in your life, I have to think that those habits that you had formed through sports, not so much the food at Senex, we'll talk about that later, but <laughs> through, through your sports and then the chores on the farm, Here's a pretty disciplined guy that um, you were going to get yourself through this with by by the grace of God. Kind of walk us through that a little bit. Just as as far as the recovery afterward. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that that definitely helped. Um, I was like I was saying, I was trained to think a certain way from the farm to to not not. I mean, I did complain, but you it doesn't matter if you complain or not, you keep going. You got to keep going. You can't, you can't just stop. You, the cows got to be milked. You got to feed them and you got to finish. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if there's a blizzard or if it's a hundred degrees, you just have to do it. And so that helped me a lot after the accident, because from a human aspect point, I already had this don't quit attitude already. And my mom, especially she grew up on a dairy farm. And she has, she is such a hard worker and still is. And she had that same attitude, which she instilled into me. And my dad also worked super hard, but my mom was more vocal about it. And so um, that helped a lot in the aspect of wanting to come back to play basketball. That was my essential goal. That was what it, it revolved around at, at first. And so that was, that was crucial for me because those intangibles were already instilled into me. And so going through the, the grind every single day of getting up and having to do therapy and not quitting, even though at the very beginning, 
I was nothing. I lost everything physically that I had, that I, I had worked for. I had lost 40 pounds in those days in the hospital. Um, you know, all my, I couldn't talk, I couldn't walk. Uh, so I had, I was starting from literally ground zero. And so that those intangibles that, 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 uh, naturally grew in me, they helped me a lot. Um, even from a human aspect. And I know God, um, looking back on it now, I, I can remember times where I knew I was doing things that, that just weren't possible. I, I mean, I knew it, that I was just like, there's no way I'm running right now where it was so soon after my accident, it was only, I believe about two months after, and I was sprinting. And I remember I was with my dad and my uncle Joel, and I had the feeling to run and to sprint down this gravel road by our farm. And I'm just like, there's no way there's just no way that I can be able to do this. But you know, there, it was, it was a mixture. It was definitely a mixture, but it was like, I was groomed to be able to handle this because there were, I was doing things that I did not want to do on an everyday basis, just like on the dairy farm, but you just have to do them. You have to go through with it. You have to, you can't quit, even though there's, there's times that you want to quit. You want to run away from all your troubles, but you got to face them head on. You can't run away because then you, you don't grow at all. And then you, you literally amount to nothing because you just, you quit. And so it was the same attitude that I had on the farm where there were times I wanted to quit and just live somewhere else to get away. But you can't, you can't, and you have to keep going. You can't, you can't give in. And so it was the same thing. Wanted to come back to play basketball so many times that I wanted to quit and just throw in the towel and say, I, I can't do it. I, this is too much work mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. I just, how can I come back from this? Because it seemed insurmountable to come back where I, starting out where I have no muscle, no fat left, all these broken bones, these, these organs that are, you know, damaged and my, my right leg has just had surgery on it. And yet I had the belief, even from the very beginning, the belief that I was going to play basketball the very next year. And I'm just like, why do I believe that? But I did. I really did believe it. And I just, it was that it was the same motivation, inspiration that brought me through it all to, to literally, I did come back and now things didn't work out the way I want them to, but I did come back and I was playing in the first game the next year. And I can look back and be like, I could just ask myself, how in the world did I do it? But when you're going through it, you just don't think you just do and you keep going every single day and you just don't think about what you're doing. You just, you just keep going. Mm. You're, you come from a pretty faith filled family Your your mother, your father, even your uncle, uncle Joel, uh, from what I know of him. And so I'm, I'm just assuming there are a whole bunch of prayers that are being offered up on a real regular basis for you. And I'm teeing it up this way because I have to ask you this question. Again, as I read about it in the book, 
And then I just read that passage about the injuries you sustained and how shattered your face was. Yeah. I'm looking at a guy that pretty darn handsome guy. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't look like anything ever happened to your face. Is that all pure a God thing, a miracle? Did you have certain what, to help help me with this? Yeah. You, your I, face is just you're a handsome guy. It's weird because I, I, um, it definitely is a God thing because it was completely shattered. I mean, the doctors told my parents, my parents asked them just how bad is it? I mean, how, I mean, explain to us how shattered, like, what do you mean when you say shattered? And the doctor said, well, take a potato chip, you know, when you crush a potato chip with your fist on the table, that's what his face is. I mean, my nose broke, shattered into nine pieces. And I mean, my, my face now is all connected by metal. All the bones are completely obliterated. My palate broke in half. So, for example, the doctors first thought that I had lost my entire front row of teeth. They thought they were gone completely, knocked out in the accident. But they didn't realize it but they were actually shoved up into my, my nasal cavity. And so when my swelling came down a few days after, they actually dropped down by the skin because they were completely broken half. So they were dangling there. And, and like, you know, I, I talked to my doctors after, and they were like, yeah, we, we thought that your teeth were gone. And then all of a sudden they dropped down out of your, out of your, your nasal cavity and the only thing they did was they sewed my palate back together and it and it simply grew together the way that my face is now mm-hmm. and so i've been asked that many times and i'm just like i i did have a big gap in my teeth and that grew together it the way it is now and then i had a little a tiny little um the dentist put in a little um, filling, I guess you'd say a, a white little filling where there was a, a, a tiny gap, but the rest is just the way it, it healed and grew together mm-hmm. because it definitely didn't look good at first, but over time it, uh, it definitely, God gave me back my normal face because mm-hmm. I know it shouldn't be the way it is right now. I mean, I looked the same as I did before. Hmm. You you referenced this a little earlier, uh, Ben. You wanted to give up a number of times, and it was in large part your mother that just yeah. wouldn't let you share with us. First of all, share with us what she was doing prior to the accident, and then she becomes pretty much your permanent caregiver for a while. Share with us the way that ways that she would motivate you or inspire you to keep going yeah so my mom she grew up on a dairy farm like i said so she had just an amazing work ethic i mean just a go-getter she was um i believe she was a valley victorian of her class she was she's super smart she's a she is a special ed teacher her entire life. So she's dealt with 
helping kids overcome their disabilities or their um, just things in their life that are giving them trouble. And so she's always been one to, to help people like that. And so she's always used that gift with us, you know, her, um, just her, her kids, I guess you would say, where it was something for me that was crucial in my life growing up. And then after the accident, because she used those same skills to motivate me every single day. And there were times where she was, she was, she was tough on me. I mean, there's no getting around. I mean, she is the most loving person that I know. I mean, she loves all of her children dearly, but, but she knows that you, that, that toughness is out of love. She wants us to grow up and be something. She does not want us to, to, to be quitters, to be soft, to, she wants us to, you know, overcome things in life that you don't see coming, whether it's from other people or simply life itself, because you're always going to have people who are going to bring you down. And she's had the same experiences in her life, but she has never let it bring her down. She has always overlooked it. She's always just like, why does it matter what those people think? Why does it matter? It doesn't. In reality, it doesn't matter at all. And so there were many things that were going through my mind um, at that moment in my life, seeing myself the way that I was, seeing my, my, my body um, completely muscleless, fatless, where I had, I was a skeleton. And the first time I saw my face to my body, I remember just bawling my eyes out because I, I couldn't believe this isn't the person that I know. I was always a athletic, strong person. And now all of a sudden I am nothing like completely nothing. I can't even walk by myself. And so she actually quit her job for that year to take care of me at home. So she was literally my, my uh, caretaker. And that in itself was hard because I, I was always so independent. I loved, I loved being active and I couldn't do anything. So there are many days I would get so depressed because I would always say life isn't fair. Now, my mom, she never, one thing she never did is she never used comparisons because she knew that there are people that have it better and there's people that have it worse. You have to find you. You have to find yourself. You have to know who you are and to find your inner, your inner being and, you know, to find that inner motivation, that inner inspiration to not give up and not, not rely on something that is external, but to find it within yourself. And so she was always using that, that it's up to you. And, and also she's a firm believer in, in Jesus Christ. And she, that was a huge part of my journey of faith, because she would always tell me that God has a plan for me, that God will never leave me, that God is with me. Now, at that moment in my life, I didn't understand it. I didn't necessarily feel it because I didn't understand the feeling that was inside me, but I knew there was an inspiration inside me that was new. It was definitely new that I'd never felt before. And my mom was 
um, I guess I would look at it now as someone who was planting seeds. She was watering them and God was making it grow within myself. Mm. And it was amazing to me because it was an everyday process. It didn't happen all just in one, one moment I'm changed. Oh no, it was, it was a, it was a hard road. It was, it was a brutal road where it was every day was a journey just to get through and to get to that, that night where I can lay down and go to sleep and then get up and do it all over Mm -hmm. again. And she was that constant in, in this life, she was the constant for me that there were times that I would want to give up so bad because the pain was so was, was just unbearable sometimes as far as my muscles and especially my, my surgeries where I had my leg and my stomach that in itself, that was tough because those things were so tight after surgery and you have to walk and my stomach, especially it, it it just, it was insane, the pain, but she just out of love. She knew that I could get through it. She knew that if I didn't give up, I would get through it and I would come back and I would be the person that I want to be. And so from a different lens, you can say, boy, she was really hard on you. No, she wasn't. She was loving me. She was teaching me and showing me that anything is possible in life through, yeah. through faith, through, through Christ. And so, so yeah, she, um, God used her greatly in my life and used her love. She, he gave her love and that was her love for me. Um, it seemed tough, but it was what I needed. And my dad, one story about him, he wasn't always the one he was on the farm. My mom was with me most of the time, but I do remember one time in particular, um, one morning I was feeling so bad for myself saying that life isn't fair, that why did this happen to me? Because you just don't think that these things will happen to you until they do. And my dad came in my room and he's like, Ben, I'm sorry that this happened to you. But one thing you can't do is pity yourself. You have to stop pitying yourself right now. And I'm like, what in the world? I mean, this was two weeks after I got out of the hospital. But both my parents knew that if if they didn't tell me that right now, that I could possibly get stuck in that mindset for the rest of my life. And they did not want me to sit there and pity myself. And I'm like, I can't believe you're telling me this. Like, why don't you feel bad for me? (laughs) And they did, but they knew the truth is that I can't pity myself. And that was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I remember later on that day, I'm like, he's right. I'll never get out of this hole if I pity myself. And so, um, and obviously it wasn't like, perfect after that but it was that was the start of it yeah, just get a wake-up call the, and we're going to kind of leave the book there except i'm going to bring up one other thing to help us shift into the things that you're doing now what 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 ben is doing now so ben just gave us a bunch of information and there's a whole bunch in between you you, you and the only way you're going to get it is to read the book and it's finding faith in the field 
Benjamin Dwayne Hilden. We'll talk a little bit more about the book at the very end about how to get it. So you're you are the typical sophomore in high school when it comes to diet. And yeah. it's your diet that helped you shift into some of the things you're doing now. Oh, man, yeah. You used to go to the Senex store. I know, because I did the same kind of stuff, Ben. You used to go to the Senex store and pick up a blueberry muffin, a bag of jerky, yep. and then four quarts of chocolate milk. Because that's what you needed to put in your system. <laughs> but what are you doing now when it comes uh, yeah. to health and nutrition? <laughs> yeah, no, that, and it's, I love that. I love that you bring that up because it's a part that not that many people catch and that. And I was just being sincere when I wrote the book, I'm just like, that's what I ate. That's what, those are my thoughts. Like the, the jerkies, the protein, the muffins, the carbo, you know, the, the energy and the milk is the building my muscles and energy, but you know, so totally it's being honest and it's just amazing. And honestly, it's amazing. That I put that in my body the way that I did. And I was so like, you know, pumped up about it, that my body did come back the way that it did. And, and, and I, and I played sports again. Um, so, so that's, that's, that was who I was back then. And so at the end of my book, um, I talk about very, very briefly, I didn't give a lot of um, insight into this injury. I just kind of left it what it was because I was still in the process of recovering and the journey had just started on that. But I, as a, it was the, actually the, let's see, the winter, while I was writing my book, I, um, I had an injury and I was squatting at UND and my SI joint broke in half and I crushed my sciatic nerve. I had two degenerated discs in my, or two herniated discs in my back and one bulging. And that is for anyone that doesn't know what that means. That is a very, very serious injury, like very, very painful um, the nerve going down my leg. I mean, I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything for, for months. I, I could walking was insanely painful because you, you are crushing that, that nerve going that sciatic nerve in your leg the entire time. And when my SI joint broke, I gave away everything. I had no support anymore. And what I didn't know which I do now is that this was all caused by my actual traumatic brain injury in my accident. And so in my accident, I had a, a brain injury, which I may have from the concussions I got afterward, I'm sure it made it worse. And it only affects the right side of my body. And I, and I had always noticed that the right side of my body was a little bit off from my, my left and that was the reason why finally when I was squatting, I had put on way too much weight. And I mean, I was squatting like that all the time, but until that day, it had supported me and I'm sure it was getting harder and harder for it. And it finally gave way. And after that, um, I went to the doctor and they told me 
they really gave me no answers. It was pretty much like your back has what's called degenerative disc disease in your spine. And I'm like, okay, but I'm 20, I'm 24 years old. How is that? Po- I mean, like, that's like what you would have like in your, I don't know when you just, you're older, like way older. And they're like, well, I don't know. That's what, that's what you have. And, and there's really, there's no way to treat it other than pain. You can only treat your pain. And I, I was sitting there just thinking about it. I'm like, there's no way there's absolutely no way that there's nothing that you can do for someone's body that, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that God gave us plants that you can put in your body to heal. Something's got to, you can heal it somehow. And so they, they told me that there was no answer for it. They said, your SI joint will heal, but your back won't, your discs won't come back. So you'll probably have to fuse them together. I'm like, so that means that I'll lose all my flexibility. My, I'll be 24 years old and I'll have nothing. I'll, I won't be able to, to play basketball ever again or to run or jump. And if I do, if I can, it'll be, it'll be limited mobility. So I had this, this very strong inspiration that I'm going to do anything it takes to heal from this. Now, at this point, I had no idea how it happened until just recently I, they told me that my brain injury had been affecting me since my accident. And so now I understand that now, and I've been doing rehab for that and it's made a lot of difference. But back then I began on, on this, this journey to actually, I found out what real health is. It's not the muffins. It's not the, the, the pasteurized milk. And it's not the beef jerky. I found foods um, like phytoplankton or moringa or macarut or clostrum or aloe vera plant. Those are just a few that I take. One is also another awesome one is called shilajit or coffee berry. Now, one of the things that these foods they have in common is they have what they have the ability to make stem cells in your body. And the reason why they, they, they thought, they told me that it was impossible to heal my back is because the spine, the, the discs in your back, they have no blood flow to them. So there's no way to give them nutrients to heal them, or so they, they thought anyway. And so I just didn't believe it. Um, and I started praying, just simply started praying, please, God, help me. Just, I don't even know what I'm searching for, but help me, give me answers. How do I heal myself? There's got to be a way to heal myself because I don't want to have surgery. And so, well, a long story short, I heard a podcast about a guy who healed his spine with the exact same thing that I had. He said a few of the foods that I just named. That was where it all started. And now um, for a couple years, I was, I mean, it was really tough though, really tough. I was giving up my old self for this new diet. And it was super tough being around my friends, my family, because they're still eating Fruit Loops and Lucky Charms and everything that I used to love. 
and obviously I'm sure I still would, but it was hard to not eat that because I had to put my body into the right environment to, you know, for it to heal. And I never gave up. Once again, those things that I was taught from on the farm, from after the accident, I was using once again during this time to not give up because I would make mistakes. I would, I would fall back into my old eating habits, but I never gave up. And, um, I, I, there was, oh, I'm, I'm sure now I am probably past 50, like 75 different foods that I could share with people, which I, I, I will in the future to that have changed my life in different ways, um, that I've eaten over these past four or five years and went in for an MRI about a year ago. And they said my, my spine had fully healed back to normal. Hmm. And my, my doctor was just like, as I'm like, come again, like my, cause they did an MRI and he's like, yeah, no, you're, it shows that your, your, your discs are, are perfectly aligned. They have the perfect space in between them. Um, they're, they're full <laughs> and you're good. You, you have a normal spine. And I'm like, I was just like, I was so full of joy because I got it verified that it worked and that everything that I had done was not in vain, that it, it was, it was worth it. And so now people have seen my, my healing, I guess you would say. And so I've, I've been helping different people with different things. And I didn't just learn about just about spines, but you learn about all these different foods that are good that I had never known about, you know, that I'm just like, you don't ever hear about any of these. You don't see them in stores anywhere. All you see is processed food all around us. And I'm just like, man, if people knew about these, I, I mean, no one even knows about them. I mean, how are you supposed to, to even to even know that there's even a food out there that, that even exists unless you hear about it. And so that's where I'm at now is I'm at a point now where um, I'm, I'm not fully uh, where I want to be because of my, my traumatic brain injury that still uh, plays a part in my life. Um, but I'm at a point now where I'm going to start sharing my journey of healing with foods that, that, I mean, simply, simply put, God just shared with me foods that he created that could help people with so many different ailments and things in their life that, that, that the world doesn't show us. They just don't. And it simply put, so. So that's where this, I'm at now. Is this the makings of a a possible outreach slash business opportunity for you where you could see maybe in the future you have a, a website and other social media tools that you could use to not just help educate, but also to make it possible for people to reach you? And then oh. I'm going to pause and say, because you're already a person that does a fair amount of public speaking. So it seems like you could put those two together. 
Yes. And it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly where, where I'm being inspired. My, my, my direction right now is going exactly what you just said. I mean, that's, I mean, there's many things I want to do. There's many things I've learned. Food, nutrition is just one of them, but it's a big part of things that I want to share because I mean, I thought I actually knew about health. I honestly thought that I, I, you know, like back in college, you know, everyone knows about like apples and oranges and fruits and vegetables, but you know, anyone who hears this, trust me when I say there are hundreds, probably thousands and, you know, foods that I, that I haven't even, you know, uh, heard about yet. I'm, I'm learning about foods all the time. I just heard about another one, uh, about two weeks ago, CMOS that I'm, I, I just started eating because I wanted, I always, I always use myself as the guinea pig first to see how I react to it, to see how it helps me. And so I've done that with every single food so that I can see what foods um, that people are going to be good on, you know, what's going to help people. And so it's very, very simple. Uh, what I've done very, very, you could call it childlike in the fact that I make it very simple. It's not complicated at all. It's, it's, you know, for me, I've, I've learned the value of, um, real food versus, versus fake food. Fake food does nothing for you. Real food is so powerful, um, that it can really change your life in an amazing way, especially through, through faith, through, through belief. And so that's kind of my goal now is, um, I actually want to have my own podcast too. I want to be able to have guests on, on my own show. Um, I know that it's all about timing. I know God will, will set this up perfectly. We're in, you know, it's at the right time. Um, you know, for like me, I want to be, start a Instagram, uh, thing where I just, I just simply share my life. I just simply, there's not, there's no anything complicated. It's just, just sharing my life on a, on a foundational level, as far as what I've learned. And, and, and then from that point on, things will just go as they go. And, um, and so the little bit that I've shared with people, it's always been very, very impactful to those people. And so, um, with the nutrition and the speaking, you know, sharing my story, this is a part of my story. Now, you know, this is a part of my life. And now that I'm past, I'm almost past it completely. I can look back on it now and see a very much clear picture of, of, of everything, because mm -hmm. when you're in the midst of it, it's so hard to see everything that's happened because you're overwhelmed sometimes with, with stress or you're going through hardship. And, and so getting out of that now and going into this new, this new part of my life, um, it's where, you know, I want to be able to share it with people on a, a, a bigger scale, a, a bigger stage, because I know how much it could impact mm. people, whether it's hearing about the gospel or hearing just about my story or hearing about this, nutrition that no one ever hears about so and speaking of that whether it's people that have an interest in having you speak to their group 
or some of this other information, what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Well, you could go on my, on my website. Um, it's just um, benhilden.com. And so that's B-E-N-H-Y-L-D-E-N.com. Or you could email me at, at hilden21 at uh, gmail.com. And so, so benhilden.com yep. and, or hilden21 at gmail.com. Right, right. I would say mostly most people will contact me through my, my website. Um, but I mean, it goes to my email anyway. So it's the same thing. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, that's kind of my, my, my purpose, my purpose. And there's many more things, um, that I have on a, on a personal scale that I want to do in my life. Um, just things that, you know, we're, we're given freedom, um, through, through Christ to be able to do things that he inspires us to do. And he gives us a level of freedom to, to use the gifts that he gave us our abilities to do things that we're passionate about. And so for me, there's, there's different things that I want to do. They're not things that are super important as, as, as far as the sharing the gospel, sharing my story, sharing about um, my, my experience in my, my, my healing with nutrition that to me is very, very foundational because that could transform lives. The rest of it is kind of more so something that I want to do with my life. Uh, just things that I want to be able to do is one is to um, start a new clothing brand. You know, I'm kind of waiting on, I, have, I haven't decided on what I want to call it yet. And so I'm kind of waiting on that, that right. I know, I know what I want to do with it yet. You know, what I want to call it and what I want to have as my, my, my brand. Um, and also, um, I want to be able to sing. And so, um, I want to write my own songs. And so for me, part of the, part of the, with my, my traumatic brain injury, like I said, it, it affects the right side of my body. Now that's not just my leg and my arm. That's also my, my right ear, my right eye, my right side of my, my um, vocal cords, the right side of my jaw, it affects everything. So I know that when I actually am in the right and I'm eating really well and I'm doing really well, I can sing so much better than I can when I'm not, when the right side of my body is more tired. And I'm like, gosh, I would love to be able to sing because I actually do love singing, but my voice changes when I'm, I'm doing really well, you know, with my, my uh, health and stuff. And so, so for me, um, it's learning how to travel. Like for me, I've been traveling a lot this year. I've been after COVID, I, I wasn't sure if I'd get a lot of speaking engagements again, but I've been getting a ton. And so it's been great. It's been awesome. I'm actually coming to Bismarck. Um, this weekend I'll be in, I'll be in Bismarck this Sunday, uh, speaking at a church there. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been amazing with that, but learning how to, to eat on the road, how to, to not eat gas station food so that I keep my body the way that I want it to be. And I can, 
I can be the best version of myself, the best example. So when I go speak and I'm, you know, that I am living out what I'm sharing with you. And so, cause it's, it's a struggle. It is hard because you are surrounded by, by processed food that tastes amazing. And so it's not, it's not easy, but you know, you're always learning. And so that's always the goal is to become who I truly can be. And then, you know, all those things I want to do, um, I know I'll be able to do them. So. Ben, it's almost uh, taking us back full circle. Yeah. I found your book in a grocery store. I was buying groceries and the cover just absolutely pulled me over and I had to buy it. And when I read it, it was just absolutely amazing. I appreciate how you shared so much about you and your family, your faith. And I appreciate so much that you were willing to come on. I'm assuming that one of the easiest ways to get your book is to either email you or go to your website. Is there another way for people to get the book or is that the best way? I mean, I would say it's the best way. Uh, and that's, you know, you can get it on, on like Amazon, you can get it. Um, it sells in different stores. I know okay. like, as you, I mean, as you know, uh, but it, it, it's not in every store, you know, you can get it at like your Barnes and Noble, you know, but for me, it's more fun when I get to, you know, send it to the people, uh, then I can, I was writing things in their book and stuff like that. So it's fun for me. Um, but I would say, yeah, I mean, you can get it on all the, all the main platforms that you can buy books on. Um, but I would recommend to get it from me anyway. So there you go. Yeah. And that's benhilden.com. You can also email him at hilden21 at gmail.com. Ben, thank you so much for coming on. Just appreciate you. God bless you. And I think you can do some more amazing work, Ben. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, I really appreciate coming on and just having, I mean, just having a a good talk, honestly. It's just been a, a fun talk, just talking about life and talking about my faith, how I got through everything. And, it, and it's cool for me because sometimes life can be where you don't have a lot of time to think. And it's been fun to reflect on everything right now. Um, and just talking to you, you're seem like an awesome awesome guy so it's been it's actually been fun answering questions because i get to reflect and think about things in a way that i haven't thought about recently you know where you're just kind of um so involved in your life that you just it's it's fun to reflect on that again so thank you very much for that and i hope everybody who is listening or or listens to this that that they're impacted and that um, that my story would impact them also. So, Well, before I let you go, I'm going to ask you one more question. If you had a magic wand, you could wave over the head of every young person that drives a car that's running behind schedule and they're going to drive fast to get from point A to point B. What's the one thing you want them to know? Well, I would, I would tell them, um, I would tell them you're not invincible for one. You're not invincible. I always thought to myself, I don't need a seatbelt because I'm an, 
I just thought there's no way I'm untouchable, especially at that point in my life where I was a, I was a good athlete and meant, you know, my pride, my arrogance. I seriously thought in my head, I was convinced there is no way that I could get injured. I can't be touched. I'm, I got this future, this bright future athletically ahead of me. And, um, you're not life can change so quick. All it takes a few seconds and your life can be, can do a complete 180 and it could be changed for the rest of your life. So I would say, um, anyone I would, I, I would just say to make sure that, you know, you're just human, you're only human. And that can go a lot of, that can help you in a lot of different ways in life and that we all, we all need a savior. You know, we all need, we're only flesh. And, um, I would say to be safe, to wear your seatbelt and not think something higher than what you actually are, you know? And that's, that was my downfall. That was, that was, it brought me low, but it brought me on a path God turned something. So at the start, so ugly into something so beautiful as time went on that I never, ever could have dreamt that he would turn it into what it is today. So. Ben, thank you so much. Appreciate you. God bless you. Thank you very much, Mike.